I have the pleasure of introducing our speaker for today, our River Kids director, Amelia. And I've gotten a sneak peek at the sermon and it's pretty great, so let's give her a round of applause. morning. Thank you, Allison. So yes, my name is Amelia. I'm the children's program director here at the river. Welcome. I'm so happy to see all of you here today. So I'm going to start with some really hard questions. So how do you respond to problems or failures? Do you tend to avoid responsibility by making excuses or maybe blaming others? Have you ever convinced yourself out of something because of fear? So I'd like to believe that I'm a person who likes to learn new things and that challenges do not scare me. Uh, I've shared before that I've been living away from my parents ever since I was 15 and living in three different countries. So anything from managing my own finances, uh, renting my own place, or uh, looking for colleges, taking care of immigration paper, I have done it largely independently. However, there is one particular thing that I have not been able to do, and for most people, they have mastered this skill usually by the age of five, or maybe seven, and that is riding a bike. I grew up in Jakarta, and in the last few years, um, it's a big city, right? There's an estimated 20 million vehicles on the street each day. Now, 30, 40 years ago, it might be a little bit different, but it is still, it, you can see it's a big city. So my parents felt that it was not safe for me to be playing, uh, riding bike outside. So I never got one as a as child. Over the years, a few people have offered to teach me how to ride a bike. But I've always come up with really good reasons. I've always lived in the big city. I can always walk or take the public transport. Where am I gonna put my bike anywhere? Or I'm really terrible with balance. I've never been that good with sports. I would just stress you out. I'm too old and too nervous for this. Don't you think these are really good reasons or excuses? I believe that I have convinced many people, including myself, that the time for bike training has way passed over me. So our minds aren't passive observers simply perceiving reality as it is. Our minds actually changed reality. Researchers find that the minds can do remarkable things, including shaping our health and well-being. Studies show that people who believe doing physical work in a job counts as exercise actually live longer lives despite how much exercise they actually do. Likewise, telling people that the milkshake that they were drinking was indulgent actually made them feel more full. 
or telling them a drink that they were consuming had caffeine actually did raise their blood pressure. This summer, we have been talking a lot about mindsets, and our sermon series is inspired by this verse. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It seems to me that science confirms what God has been recommending us to do. God wants us to have a mind that is constantly learning and renewing. We are to ask questions, even to test and discern things of God. There was a curious encounter between Jesus and a sick man in the Bible. And this is how the story goes. Now, there is in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever diseases that he had. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw lying there, knew he had already been in that condition a long time. He said to him, do you want to be made well? It's a strange question, right? I mean, why would the sick man even be there unless he wanted to be healed? I wonder if Jesus saw something that we could not see. Also, what do you think this man said to Jesus? Yes, of course, yes. I mean, 38 years is a long time to be sick. Surely this man could not wait any longer. Nobody wants to stay sick. Well, the sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus didn't ask that. It is interesting that instead of saying a quick and enthusiastic yes, this man gave a list of reasons why he had not been able to get into the pool. It's as if the man had resigned to the fact that healing would never happen to him, despite being literally steps away from it. It seems as if the disease had not only gripped the man's body, but also his mind. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. All of us, if not careful, can carry a story within us that contains chapters of unhealed pain and wound. 
distorted perspective, limited thinking. We can carry that story into many different situations, limiting our behavior and projecting it onto future encounters. Luckily for this man, Jesus met him where he was. But I wonder how long the sick man had been waiting by the pool. How much disappointments and pain did he have to endure? I wonder if he had also been afflicted with depression. Did Jesus question, do you want to be made well? Actually confront the center of the man's problem. Jesus' offer was not just to heal him from his bodily affliction. Jesus offered him wellness, and he did make him well. Now, at a separate time and location, there was a tax collector named Zacchaeus. A tax collector was not exactly a popular person back then. Tax collectors often collected more than they were supposed to. So they were seen as sinners and disliked by many. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for Jesus was going to pass that way. I could only imagine that being short only made Zacchaeus even more peculiar to his people. I wonder, if he ever got bullied for his physique. I wonder if his neighbors talk about him unfavorably, maybe excluded him from parties and gatherings. Apart from being rich, Zacchaeus did not seem to have a lot of advantages socially. However, Zacchaeus did seem eager he ran, he climbed, he pushed beyond his limitation just to see Jesus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. The person who probably did not get invited much to parties or gathering now was the host of poss for possibly the most honored and sought after guest in town. Now, just to put things in perspective, Jesus was a very sought after rabbi at this time. There are at least 34 different references in the Bible that said that wherever Jesus went, a large crowd followed him. We know stories about Jesus teaching and feeding thousands of people. 
people of great multitudes came from all over Galilee, Judea, Jerusalem, and beyond just to listen to Jesus. They would walk on foot and camp four days. So Jesus was a kind of celebrity of his days. And do you notice the tone of excitement in Jesus too? He said, make haste, hurry up, come down, for today I must stay at your house. Jesus matched Zacchaeus' energy and enthusiasm. Now people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Life had come to the house of Zacchaeus, and life had come to the lives of many. Zacchaeus, despite his reputation and disadvantages, he had pushed himself beyond his limitations, and his renewed attitude had opened up blessings for many people. And talk about celebrity endorsement. Jesus affirmed Zacchaeus as a son of Abraham, one of their own. I would like to think this reconnected Zacchaeus back into his own community, gave him a sense of belonging, which potentially changed the narrative and the dynamic of his relationship with his people. The message today is more than about having a positive mindset versus negative ones. Positivity is great, and it does lead to more positive outcomes. But what our Bible passages suggest is about having minds that continuously grow and renew, allowing our talents and abilities to expand despite challenges. Believing that good and wonderful outcomes can come despite our past failures and limitations. In other words, having a growth mindset, a term coined by psychologist Carol Dweck. So for practical suggestion, I would like to show you this simple chart of what fixed mindset versus growth mindset look like. The sick man in our story had a fixed mindset. He was probably correct about not having someone to help him get into the pool. After all, he was sick. However, he could have responded to his limitation differently. He could have been more creative. Maybe made a deal 
with someone. Hey, I'd give you 30 silver coins if you could take me into the pool this month and help me get healed. I would work really hard and make sure that your effort would be handsomely compensated. And if it's not this month, maybe next month. Or he could have said, yes, Jesus, I want to be healed. Have you got any ideas? The sick man saw his limitation as a projection into his future. He resigned to his own perceived destiny and felt defeated by challenges and possibilities of failures. Zacchaeus also had reasons to feel left out and withdraw himself from the crowd. He could have stayed home and spared himself out of potential humiliation. But instead, he ran. He climbed and made all the effort to put himself right in Jesus' path, right in the stream of infinite possibilities. Despite his short stature, he made himself visible and prominent that Jesus took notice of him. Zacchaeus had a growth mindset. It is good to know ourselves and our limitations, but it's very good to have a mindset that is always growing and open to God's infinite possibilities. Unfortunately, at churches, we find a lot of people who like to keep things the way they were. They have a fixed mindset on what it means to be Christians, what the Bible is all about, what doctrines or political and social issues that we need to fight for, etc., etc. To be a conservative, and I am using the word as it is generally understood, a person who is averse to change is to confirm to a fixed pattern, to a particular culture and time. And this is what we are called not to do. God is progressive. God is always ahead of us. And we are the ones who have a lot to catch up. Now, just because we have the right mindset, it does not mean that all of our problems will be solved, that all of our diseases will be healed and all of our relationship will be mended. Our mindset and behaviors cannot guarantee any outcome, but they can shape our experience and our well-being. In his sermon last week, Peter Evis mentioned God is not here to tidy things up according to our idea of how things should be. But if we're involved with him, sharing our fears, concerns, and ideas, we know we will not fall away. God is always keeping us close. God is our ever-changing, never-changing 
rang. And I agree. We live in a complex world, and sadly, no matter what we believe and what we do, there will always be loved ones who will die because of their diseases. There will be relationships that remain broken, even till the very end. There will be a whole lot of unfulfilled promises and dreams. But if we continue to engage God, if we continue to grow into becoming with God, we will experience love and joy in the process. We will see beauty and goodness, even in the thick and dark mess of life. I will be with you is one of the most repeated promises in the Bible. Jesus can meet you where you're at, in your health and sickness, in your happiness, in your loneliness. Jesus worked with the sick man. Jesus worked with Zacchaeus. Jesus can work with us too. Our bad attitude, our negativity, our ugliness, our failures and deceptions do not offend him. God can handle it all. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for showing us that you will always be here with us, that you can meet us where we're at, that you can work with everything that is good and bad about us. We pray that you continue to train us, to stretch us, and to guide us. May our being and becoming bring blessings to our lives and the lives of many.